up, everybody? Welcome to Biohacking with Brittany, a podcast that focuses on making biohacking accessible and affordable for everybody. I am finally back in Vancouver, which is great. Um, I'm pretty jet lagged right now, so I'm trying to just make the best of it and go with it. I have been waking up at 5 a.m. every every day this week and going to bed late, and I'm running on very little sleep. My aura ring, which is a um, which you probably see in like my photos and videos and stuff is a sleep and activity tracker and it's not happy with me this week. So, um, that's okay though. I'm averaging probably this week on like four hours of sleep a night of four to five. Um, but it's, it's how it goes. I was in Singapore before this and the time zones are basically opposite. And it's even with like bringing in travel, healthy tips and biohacks, it's been difficult to get back into the swing of things here. Um, I'm having like kind of actually weird symptoms that I didn't have last time when I came back. I came back for a visit in March. Um, of, I have a lot of like muscle pain lately this week. Um, and actually pretty bad, like bad enough to wake me up in the middle of the night. So I'm just kind of trying to see what that is about. I've also taken this week off of working out. So, um, I don't know how it's kind of all making sense like that. Like usually the muscle pain comes from overworking out and comes from overtraining and like the next day you're sore, but I haven't been working out. I've just been like walking and doing yoga this week. Um, so I'm not really sure why that's going on. So if anyone actually has any like tips for muscle pain, that would be very helpful. Currently right now, I'm just taking a bunch of magnesium, which tends to help. I don't want to take any Advil or Tylenol just because of like what it does to your gut. Um, so I'm just kind of like pushing through the pain and ignoring it. It's radiating like from my shoulders, um, into my right arm a lot and then my knees as well. So I don't know what that's about. Um, It could just be like from stress from traveling. So anyway, um, but yeah, I'm back in Vancouver. Super excited to be here. I have some really fun things coming up. Um, I'm just adjusting to being back and getting an apartment and and doing all the things, all the adulting things. Um, But it's it's nice to be back. I, for those who don't know, I've been traveling for about 10 and a half months. And before that, I lived in Vancouver for about three and a half years. And before that, I was in Ontario. And before that, I was in South Africa, where I was born, actually. So I'm kind of like a globe trotter, if if you say, if you will. And yeah, so now I'm back and it's it's actually really nice to be home. I'm excited to be here where there's so many biohackers and healthy people and it'll be good to be back in the swing of things. So yeah, um, just as a heads up, I get some questions about this. The podcast today is about um, training and fitness and intermittent fasting. That's like basically the the main points that we touch on. And it was a while ago when I spoke to Simland, the guest, and I've actually since then, I have a new workout program that I've been doing and it's called Sweat. It's an app. Um by Kayla. Uh, I think it's like Itzinez is how you say her last name. And so for anybody who's actually interested in that whole world of BBG, which is what it's 
the, the workout guide is called. Um, if you're interested in that, like shoot me a message. I'd love to chat with you. I just finished week eight uh, out of 12 last week for it. And then I'm going to go into the second version. Um, it's amazing. The workouts are absolutely phenomenal. Um, the results from the BBG, which is which stands for Bikini Body Guide, um, have been awesome and totally worth it. And the program is three days a week of strength training, um, but mostly using body weight. And then the other three days are three to four days are um, cardio. And so, but like not go for a run for 20 minutes. It's like walking for an hour is fine. It's called like lists um, or you can do hit, of course, but that's kind of where it goes. And so the, the strength training is broken up into um, lower body, upper body, and then full body for the third day. And the results are actually definitely noticeable. I started noticing after um, week six would be, I would say like the the point where I started noticing difference in ab definition to start with. Um, also strength, just like building strength in my chest, which is the weakest part of my body, um, which is probably related to the muscle pain that I'm getting right now on my back and my shoulders because it's probably due to, you know, a weaker chest. Anyway, um, so yeah, so it, it definitely builds strength and endurance and it's it's really something special. I'm very impressed with it. I've done a lot of workout plans before and I've worked out on my by myself before. Like I've been going to the gym for probably 10 years now. Um, I don't think I've ever taken more than a week off of going to the gym, which is crazy if you think about it. But um, so I, I, I've had my fair share of programs that I've tried in different classes and methods and all these things. And it's really amazing. So the app itself is very well done very very well done and it has everything you need and the beauty of the sweat program the app is that it takes the guesswork out of fitness and out of you working out so you literally open your phone every day and it tells you what to do and you don't have to think about it so you can go to the gym and have it all sorted for you and know that you are hitting every body body part every body group um, and making sure you're like doing everything properly. It also has yoga on there. It has stretching is foam rolling. Um, and it's a very well-balanced program. It definitely is not like lift weights every day. I mean, there is one like that, but not the one that I do. Um, so it's, it's just really good. I'm just like giving a total shout out to them, but cause people do ask for my review of it. Cause I know like sweat by Kayla was like a big thing a few years ago, but it's been revamped and like rebooted and it's actually very, very well done. So you have to pay a yearly subscription. I think it's like a hundred and 120 maybe. I don't remember something like that. Um, so it's not bad. And you can also do it from anywhere. So you could do it from home. And that's why a big reason is like why I signed up for it as well was because um, with traveling on the way back here, I went to five different countries in five weeks. I was able to do the program the whole time in hotel gyms, in, you know, in the room, wherever I was. And that was the best part was I knew that my fitness was taken care of. So I'm just totally going on a rant about it. But if you were looking for a new fitness program, if you are looking for something that 
is going to take your fitness to a new level and actually give you results. I actually 100% recommend it. I've seen results myself. I'm taking a week off this week for the first time. Um, my body's quite sore, so I just need some rest. But I will be starting week nine next week on Monday. So there you go. That's a little helpful, helpful, helpful hint for you. Um, oh, my brain is like so jet lagged right now. Um, today we have Simland, like I said, and we really just focus on training and fitness and intermittent fasting and answering all of the common questions that come with that of like, if I'm intermittent fasting in the morning, what type of workout should I be doing in order to get the maximum results, in order to get the best weight loss and all those types of things that people always want to know about. So that's kind of what we talk about and dive into and really just like provide a lot of details on. So I really hope you enjoy this episode and love it and let me know what you think. Thanks. I would love it if you could tell our listeners a bit about yourself and your health journey and kind of how you ended up in the biohacking world in general. My name is uh, Simland and from Estonia, which is like this small country in uh, northeastern Europe. I've been doing, you know, this biohacking or self-optimization since uh, high school. And uh, the reason I got into it was to just improve my physical performance and uh, improve my mental performance and everything else. And kind of the originating reason that you know I did start it was that after the high school, I had to go like to the military or I decided to go to the military to get my like mandatory service. And then I was really into, you know, getting stronger and building endurance and everything. So that's one of the kind of reasons that I started in this sort of like a really in-depth analysis and in-depth trying to, you know, improve every aspect of my performance. But after that, I was also, you know, during, after finishing the military, I was also in college. And then I was, you know, interested in not only like physical development, but also like mental development. Like how does, how does your brain change during meditation? How can you, you know, improve your learning? Those sorts of things. So it, it kind of all things were brought together by me starting my blog four years ago or something. And the blog itself was originally just a way of sharing some of the things that I've learned. And uh, over the course of these several years, it's grown into more of like article-based website where I talk about different topics related to, you know, human optimization, different nutrition techniques, biohacking, intermittent fasting, and uh, those sorts of things. Amazing. That's quite the story. So I would love for you to talk about strength training because obviously this is an area that you are an expert in. And I have a bunch of friends and family who are fit and who work out every day and who eat properly and are strong in, in different senses. So how do you kind of take it to the next level through biohacking? I think that strength training itself, you, you can't you know, biohack strength training that much it's more of like a traditional way of really putting in the work and staying very consistent and disciplined over the course of you know years and years because you're not gonna like overnight become like strong or uh, burn fat and uh, build muscle and so you just have to do it uh, consistently it's one of those things that you can't really biohack that effectively but there are like definitely certain principles that you can keep in mind and certain like nutritional 
interventions and other like forms of recovery that you can apply. But the main you know, premise or the main principle of strength training is progressive overload, uh, which means that you just have to, over the course of years and years of training, you just have to um, improve in some shape or form, whether that be like power, explosiveness, or whether that be strength and muscle hypertrophy, which is the phenomenon of muscle growth that tends to like happen alongside with that. And you combine it with like uh, proper nutrition in terms of getting adequate amounts of protein, especially because you need, you know, the amino acid building blocks to build new tissue, as well as some other nutrients that uh, help the process. But, you know, I would say if, if your goal is like pure muscle growth, then uh, there are a lot of people who have already done it who aren't necessarily like biohackers like the professional bodybuilders there's a reason they eat in a certain way like they eat six small meals a day very frequently high amounts of carbs high amounts of protein and you know it works in their example and they kind of tested it for you know decades and decades so that's that's one of the kind of easiest or the most effective way of building purely muscle but the problem is also that just building muscle itself may not be uh, coinciding with other other aspects of health such as longevity and uh, general like overall health like although the bodybuilders are like huge and they have a lot, a lot of muscle they're not necessarily the healthiest people so there's all there's, so there tends to be like some sort of a trade-off in terms of what kind of fuel are you consuming and uh, what kind of training are you doing so like if someone's purpose is longevity then their approach to training and attrition would be somewhat different from someone who is expecting to go on like stage and go like go to the route of a, a pro bodybuilder so yeah like those things they're not necessarily be coinciding or they're not they're not always complementing each other but at the same time strength training itself is still like a huge like a very beneficial uh, for anti-aging and longevity as well so it's it's a, it's a matter of context and but at the same time just getting stronger getting uh, enough nutrients th- those are the things that everyone should still pay attention to yeah yeah, definitely. So if you want to build muscle and be strong and fit, but you also care about longevity and, you know, living healthy into 40s, 50s, 60s and later on, like how do you find the balance between that? And like, what does that actually look like day to day? It would depend a lot on the particular individual. But at the same time, I think using some form of like a cyclical manner for intermittent fasting as well as uh, cyclical carb cycling, in my opinion, that would be like the easiest thing uh, to balance these uh, two signs, these two sides of the coin. And uh, usually daily time restricted eating is still something that helps the body to reap a lot of the benefits of positive muscle growth, while at the same time preventing the kind of over stimulation of these muscle building pathways and these anabolic pathways that that aren't always like uh, pro-longevity, so to say. You know, when you are fasting, then your body is actually, it's, it's not in the building mode, it's more of in the recycling and repair mode. Optimally, you, you would want to have these periods where your body is uh, repairing itself and breaking down actually and kind of losing some of that vital tissue, but at the same time, you don't want to take it too far. You all still want to have the you want to have like the adequate anabolism, you want to have adequate buildup and adequate uh, nourishment. Yeah, that makes sense. So if you 
are fasting every day, like doing intermittent fasting, but you want to become more fit or stronger, do you work out while you're fasting or do you recommend like afterwards or, or what do you do? Oh, I think it depends like on what kind of a fasting schedule or a fasting window you aim for. It also depends on like what your preference. When I was first starting intermittent fasting, like in high school, I did the, I fasted for 16 hours every day and I ate my food within eight hours. So uh, for me, I broke my fast at 16 hours with like a very small meal, a low-carb keto meal. And uh, then I waited for a few hours. I had like a resistance training workout. And then I consumed the rest of my calories in like the post-workout meal. And so for, for me, that was like the way I decided to do it because generally you, you would bring, probably feel stronger at the gym if you had like some food in yourself. And that will also like be more beneficial for uh, muscle growth. But at the same time, I also done like different, different ways of maybe doing some fasted cardio before breaking the fast, just maybe doing like some easy calisthenics or something like that as well. So that, that's, that's just like different, different goals. Like if I'm doing like fasted training, then I'm not necessarily trying to, you know, progress exponentially and like hit new person records and so on, because like it's, it's not that optimal for doing that. But after several years, I all kind of transitioned over into like eating primarily one meal a day. Now I'm usually working out in a fasted state uh, without like seeing any negative side effects in my performance. So to say, I've kind of become more fat adapted and uh, more keto adapted. So my body is very easily able to kind of burn body fat and the ketones without needing like a bunch of calories. Like sometimes may I will also have like maybe like some sort of a protein shake or I'll maybe eat some carbs during my workout. Uh, but, it, but it's still like, it's like semi-fasted state where I'm uh, working out. Yeah. I find for myself, I mean, like I'm sure we have very different goals and we have very different bodies, but I find for myself, if I work out in a fasted state in the morning and I do something like HIT or well, even yoga, but like things that are more either cardio focused or like easier like yoga, then I actually tone really fast. And if I, you know, have extra weight at the time to lose, then I lose it a lot faster. But if I try and, you know, do a leg day like squats or whatever on a fasted state, I find it very difficult to have enough power and enough energy to like mm. push through and hip thrust 200 pounds. But when I eat, you know, something for lunch and then I go to the gym maybe an hour or two later, then I can definitely do it. So I don't know if it's just like maybe you've been doing it for longer, you're more adapted than I am, or it might be different for females as well. It's, you know, of course, like I also agree that you will probably feel stronger if you have like some food, your performance will be higher. And yeah, in my own personal experience, like if I'm like purely fasted, then yeah, the power isn't there. Like you, you probably won't be able to get into the last shift, so to say. The way I have kind of decided to overcome it or found from my own experiments is that uh, I consume like this sort of, I'm, I'm doing like, a, I call it the targeted intermittent fasting method, which essentially is that I fast all the way up until the point where I'm about to work out. And then during the workout, I consume like this protein shake with maybe like a little bit of carbs as well. And uh, that's that, what, what I found is that that's going to help me to, you know, kick it up a notch and still you know, feel as if I've eaten something, although I've been fasting all the way up until the point 
and that's essentially also going to help with uh, the muscle growth because you're getting the amino acids into yourself right during the workout and that's also going to protect against the additional muscle catabolism that tends to be higher if you're like working uh, purely fasted yeah so i think it's a balance like i think if you were to yeah. do hit and cardio days fasted and then you did your other days your strength training days with food in you I think that might be like the good balance. How many times a week do you train? I try to, what do I do right now? Five, six times a week. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I think, I actually think currently I'm overtraining right now. So I'm, I'm dialing it back a bit. It's very different for females. I find that if you overtrain for females, it really affects your hormones, affects your mood, affects your sleep. Mm -hmm. And so strength training every single day doesn't work for me and hit every single day, even a spin class. I love spin, but every day does not work in the long term. And I think like we were talking about earlier, I think it's too much stress in the body and I think it ages you faster than if you were to chill out a bit. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's true that it's easy to kind of train too frequently without allowing your body to recover and that's that's what i've seen a lot in my own example as well that if i kind of become too hardcore or, or doing it very consistently then i just don't have like enough time in between those days to rest enough so yeah like usually especially if i'm trying to like actually you know focus more on strength then I see that training less often actually improves my performance a whole lot because those rest days are there for like a reason and trying to combine a bunch of cardio with uh, resistance training kind of leaves me at this position where I won't be able to get none of them. <laughs> like your body can't really, it's, or it's very difficult to achieve both strength and endurance at the same time. You can do it very strategically, but uh, you still need like adequate rest because if you train you know, one day hit, one day weights, one day cardio, one day hit, and so on, then you're never giving your body enough time for like to adapt and actually get stronger because it's kind of in this vicious cycle of uh, just focusing on recovery and trying to prepare for like the next day's session. Yeah, that's exactly it. So how much recovery do you recommend for people then? It depends on like uh, what kind of tools are they using for recovery, so to say. You can definitely... Uh, you know, take a sauna, take some ice baths and uh, get like proper sleep. Those things will accelerate the recovery process. And like professional athletes, they still like they're able to train at a very high intensity for very frequently all the time. And the reason is that they're like focusing a lot on the recovery. They don't have like other work stress. They're getting enough sleep. They're getting like highest quality nutrition. They're, you know, taking color chambers, hyperbaric oxygen therapy and so on. So the average person simply just has to know like what's what's what kind of tools do they have access to. Generally, the, the probably the most important thing that gets neglected is just regular the sleep, and people aren't probably getting. Not only aren't aren't they getting like enough hours, but the the quality of those hours is also somewhat lower. And I I think the you know just fixing the sleep and fixing the circadian rhythms those things will drastically like change the uh, recovery process but at the same time like you know taking a sauna taking some cold showers those things can also like just help with alleviating maybe probably some of the physical soreness in, in muscles 
Definitely. So do you believe in like active recovery where like, say you have a day off at the gym, but you go to yoga or you go for like a hike or you do these types of things that are like still technically raising your heart rate and you're still doing something? Or do you just think that like you should have days where you're a couch potato and you actually just let your body like recover and rest? Yeah, I think active recovery is definitely like beneficial. Like uh, I will always, you know, take a walk every day. I'll do like some maybe stretching or some mobility work. Uh, but yeah, you just have to kind of pay attention to not not make that active recovery into like some form of a high intensity workout like some people tend to do. And yeah, it's 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 just a matter of not not thinking that it's supposed to be hard. Like active recovery would be something that you just get your get yourself moving and get your keeps you mobile and uh, you know maybe it may elevate your heart rate a little bit but yeah not not something like too strenuous so the gym that i have has go to has a sauna it's not infrared it's just like a traditional sauna but it's better than nothing so do you think that with a sauna or like cold showers or cryotherapy these like practices that are stressing the body in a different way do you think that it's possible to overdo that if it is being accompanied with exercise throughout the week as well? Yeah, like uh, all of these strenuous activities, uh, they do trigger like this, you know, the phenomenon, phenomenon of hormesis, which is like a positive dose-dependent stress. And you can overdo anything, whether that be exercise, whether that be fasting, whether that be, you know, cold and the sauna. The, I would say that it's not probably like ideal for like lifestyle either to do a bunch of sauna all the time because your body will adapt to it and then you need to you know kick it up a notch and take it to the next level to elicit another positive response so the goal isn't to you know become fully optimized to the point where you have to like really uh, experience a whole lot of stress to to see a positive effect because just you're going to have to just put more effort into it the goal would be to kind of get as much positive effect from those things as possible without you know making it without making your body so resilient against them that you know you just have to keep grinding it with with like ice baths it's definitely true that uh, you may like experience like mild negative side effects from too much cold exposure like uh, i would imagine like hypothermia not not direct hypothermia but you know just just generally feeling somewhat tired eventually and it's it it will like drain some energy so i i like to do those things only in like a cyclical manner again that not doing them every day not doing them every week even and i do have like some breaks every once in a while where where uh, I actually avoid everything those that would like kind of stress the body. Usually, I would aim for like maybe four four times a week of sauna at maximum, and at minimum like two times a week. And how long are you saunaing for? Usually, it's gonna be like a twenty minute session with with maybe like a short cold plunge or a cold shower, and then another like five to ten minute kind of finisher. Okay, I think I'm sauning too much because <laughs> I sauna probably like honestly, I sauna almost every single day. And mm -hmm. whether it's like before my workout or after my workout, or sometimes like yesterday, I went in for a full hour because I was so tired, I couldn't work out. 
But then I still wanted to feel like I was doing something. So I went and saunaed for an hour and I did a cold shower after. So I think you're right. Like I think that I am overdoing it. And I think there's something to be said about recovery because every time I go on vacation or I travel and I take time off the gym, whether it's a week or 10 days or two weeks, and I come back and I do strength training or even hit for the first time, I can actually do a surprisingly high amount of time or weight or whatever the measurement is. And I'm not like I've had people tell me that before. And it's like the weirdest thing because you think, oh, I've been on vacation. I've been eating this. I've been drinking alcohol, doing all these things. You would think coming back to the gym, it would be difficult and kind of like, oh, painful. And like, you don't want to be there and like, whatever. And then you actually, your body's actually very capable. So it's, it's really interesting. Your body is always trying to adapt to the thing that you're, you know, enforcing. But sometimes you just, you know, block the adaptation and you keep your body just repairing itself. And, you know, there's a difference between adaptation and recovery. So adaptation is the idea that you actually progress and you get stronger. But recovery is just repairing the damage that you caused to your body. So if you're always in the repair mode, then you don't really have enough resources to adapt and uh, get, so, get stronger, so to say. Yeah, exactly. So I would love to know what your workout plan is currently, like what you do on a day-to-day basis. I would say like 80% of the time I'm actually doing uh, like primarily calisthenics and bodyweight exercises. Usually it's almost like a full body bodyweight workout with some uh, you know walking lunges, pistol squats, vertical jumps, then I'll do like pull-ups, push-ups, uh, dips, handstand push-ups, and some muscle-ups, and those sort of things. Other 20% of the time, I'm doing uh, like regular weightlifting or at the gym. So those things, would I'll, I tr- try to get to the gym maybe like once a week. And at other days, I'm doing like bodyweight exercises. I do a lot of like kettlebell, kettlebell swings as well as a like form of cardio with in it's almost like a Tabata type of cardio where I do like 30 seconds on with some kettlebell swings and rest for like 10 seconds and another 30 seconds on and I repeat it for like five minutes or something and that's going to be really good for getting like a cardiovascular effect. I'm, I'm not like that into like regular cardio, like slow, uh, low intensity cardio. I do it maybe like every other week or something. I'll go for a run for maybe 45 minutes or something. Uh, but yeah, that's that's the mo- most of the training that I do. I also use, I don't know if you've heard about it, uh, the X3 bar, which is like this resistance band. And that's supposed to like mimic some aspects of uh, weightlifting at home. It's been pretty, pretty damn effective. I've seen some small improvements from it. But yeah, most of the time I just like to work out with my own body weight and doing like these different calisthenics moves and like muscle ups and planches and those sort of things. Cool. No, I I haven't heard of that band, but it sounds very interesting. I'd love to, yeah, I'll link it in the show for sure, because I definitely want to look into that. It sounds like something that you can probably travel with by the sounds of Mm it. Yeah. Yeah. It's like very small. You have like these heavy, heavy duty resistance bands and this sort of a small, uh, like a bar that mimics the barbell bar. And uh, you you strap the bands onto it, and you can do like uh, chest press, you can do squats, you can do rows, deadlifts, and uh, like bicep curls and those sort of things. So it's uh, really convenient. Cool. So for the people who are trying to get into the gym 
and have been on and off for years and, you know, want to get back into it and get fit again or whatever their goals are. Are there any specific exercises that you would recommend that you've seen the fastest results for, for maybe toning the body, but also strength training at the same time? Well, I think most people tend to shy away from the uh, compound lifts, uh, such as the squats, deadlifts, and uh, bench press, just because they're f- you know, afraid of the heavyweights or they're afraid of getting too bulky, so to say. And I think that it's also somewhat, it doesn't make sense or something, because before you get like into like actual bodybuilding sizes, you would have to also take some anabolic steroids or something. You would have to be doing like pro bodybuilding. But for most people, actually, they would see most of the improvements in terms of physique de- development if they were to actually focus on the, the those compound lifts like the squats and bench press because uh, they stimulate, they require like your entire, almost every muscle in your body to be recruited and they're like not only burning more calories, they're also causing like the systemic hormonal adaptation by increasing testosterone and increasing bone density. So those are the more functional movements as well. Like the deadlift is probably like a very functional movement that is going to carry over almost everything else you do. Like if you get stronger at a deadlift, then you will get stronger at, you know, lifting anything else in your house, uh, lifting you, you can even get stronger at pull-ups by doing deadlifts and the same applies to like squats as well like you do squats and that's also gonna not, not only improves your lower body but also strengthens your back and so on so on for for like functional training then those compound lifts would be something that would have like the biggest effect and you don't have to do like a bunch of different these variations i'm gonna do like a biceps curl from this angle, I'm gonna do a triceps push down, and etc. You you will always you will already stimulate those same muscles at a much more effective way if you were to do like a bench press or if you were to do a barbell row. So the kind of small uh, isolation exercises they tend to be really dis- distracting almost <laughs> because they're not that effective and they don't actually cause that kind of a positive adaptation that people expect. Compound movements are great. I Okay, so my squat is weaker than my deadlift and my hip thrust by far. And mm-hmm. I have no idea why. Like I don't know if it's because like I've done deadlifts and hip thrusts for longer and I've like been working on them for longer, but my squat is easily my weakest compound movement and I don't know what it is. Like I don't know if it's my form or if I'm not activating the different glute muscles properly, but for everyone out there who hates squats or doesn't know how to do them properly, like what, like what advice would you give? Yeah. Yeah. Squats are, yeah, they're difficult, but they're also like scary (laughs) that you have like a massive load, massive weight on your back. So the way I, you know, saw some improvements in my squats was when I started doing squats more frequently like a few years ago, I did the squat everyday challenge for like maybe I did it for like a month and then I still trained squats like three times a week after that. So I just, I just think like more frequency will kind of train your nervous system to adapt at a faster rate as well. And you will, at least I saw like much faster strength gains just because of training more frequently but with with more training frequently you're also forced 
to kind of dial down the the uh, volume, so to say, that you're not going to do like a bunch of sets which would cause like nervous system fatigue. I had like only like a limited sets that I could get away with doing a certain workout. And that kind of forced me to take advantage of it as much as possible and to focus like on really quality form and getting enough rest periods between those sets. So I think like quality over quantity is more important. But at the same time, like frequent training is probably the biggest thing that will um, kind of break plateaus to a certain extent. Okay, so lower frequency of reps at a higher rate, but more times throughout the week. Lower uh, volume per set, like you would, you wouldn't do maybe like a set of ten. You would do like a set of five or something like with a heavier load, but you're still able to train more frequently throughout the entire week because you're not overtaxing the nervous system by doing ten sets of ten. I have a really low tolerance for that anyway. <laughs> when I've like <laughs> followed workout plans and it's like four sets of 10, I'm like, no, yeah. I, just, I don't think so. And I think that, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe I'm just like very impatient. So, but no, I'm definitely going to try that because I think it's something that I need to work on. And a lot of female friends of mine like struggle with the squats, just the movement of it. I guess it's like against gravity as well, right? Like pushing the weight back up it can make the biggest difference, like you said. So I think it's something really important to bring in. Uh, and then I also found just for like the females who are, and males, I guess, who are trying to improve their squats is having a resistant band in the beginning to warm up your different glute muscles is so key because if you go straight into a leg day and you just try and squat and do deadlifts right off the bat, these massive compound movements without actually warming up the glutes properly, it's a disaster. It does not work as well. Do you have, yeah. do you have experience with that? Yeah, for sure. Like warming up is really important, not only like for avoiding injury, but also like just training the movement pattern because a lot of the training itself isn't just a matter of like the muscles firing or the the neurons, so to say. Like a lot of it, it is like psychological as well. Like in terms of being able to know uh, how do you recruit those muscles and uh, how do you do them like more efficiently, so to say. So you have to definitely be present with with the movement and kind of teach yourself to uh, do it more properly. Yeah, exactly. If I don't warm up with a resistance band, then my back or my different leg muscles will compensate for my glutes and mm. because they're just not activated. So it's definitely through the training, through the warming up that makes the biggest difference. And those bands are like so accessible online. They're all over Amazon. They're really easy to find, like you were saying earlier. But yeah, I definitely think there's a lot to learn about that. And like, there's such a myth with muscle building and strength training of like, if I lift so heavy, I'm going to become super bulky, <laughs> yeah. right? Especially like in the female gym world. And I, yeah. I like, I see it all the time at the gym and I hear about it, but to actually become super bulky as a female, like whether it's in your back or your arms or whatever, like I feel like you'd be have you'd have to be lifting like a ton of weight frequently, like very very frequently, right? Right. Yeah, and you also definitely have to like do the other things that the bodybuilders do, like take steroids and 
eat you know a bunch of protein and so on so most most people they aren't able to just physiologically able to achieve it even if they did train like very hard just because of not having the additional assistance <laughs> but lifting weights probably isn't making you bulkier it's like if you said that you want to tone up then uh, the weightlifting is actually the best thing to tone up because you will increase your lean muscle mass which will help you to burn more calories without exercising even increases your metabolic rate and increases your kind of hormonal balance and essentially boosts growth hormone as well so you, you will see like a much bigger positive effect in your body composition if you did like some form of heavier uh, weightlifting instead of instead of like a spin class or a hit cardio and a bunch of these different you know circuit training and so on yeah i think it's a balance of both and it also depends what your goals are right um yeah, for sure, of course. but yeah but just touching on the steroid thing so obviously like we know how steroids work in the body and what they do and you know there's so many different cases out there of terrible things happening from them but do you have any natural recommendations that are similar to steroids that can help facilitate you know these workout goals that people tend to have and that's a good question i think the a really good boost in anabolism is to just eat like a high quality diet with uh, sufficient amounts of protein you may want you may like increasing a little bit of the protein can be useful for most people and primarily from like animal sources such as some eggs fish and uh, meat those are the best foods uh, in terms of protein and then there's also like creatine even can it's like a natural supplement that's very well researched and it has like a very positive effect in uh, muscle hypertrophy even it's 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 primarily used as like energy producing molecule for creating atp but uh, it also promotes muscle growth you know helping to uh, retain more water in the muscle cells and uh, more glycogen so that's there's even like a cognitive benefit for taking creatine so even like especially like vegetarians they su start supplementing creatine and their memory improves <laughs> so so like most people there aren't eating i think like even the, the regular person an omnivore they aren't eating like enough red meat to get enough creatine from that so just supplementing like a cheap like creatine monohydrate is a really effective way and a really easy way of uh, seeing some improvements in physical development and uh, then of course like sleep again like optimizing sleep and recovery that's like one of the critical parts of general longevity as well as muscle growth because during sleep you're literally repairing the body and uh, those at that time you're also like changing it or you know that's when the adaptation takes effect and if you're like missing out on it consistently or you're not getting like the you know optimal amounts and optimal depths of sleep then yeah you're just leaving things on the table yeah sleep is huge and with the creatine i when i was taking creatine frequently every day i did notice an effect it i used to take it in my water with BCAs and L-glutamine mm -hmm. when I would go to the gym. And I found that my energy was better. And like you said, like I put on muscle mass faster. And mm -hmm. I have like a, a scale on my gym that does the electrical current that it runs through you. And like you can measure your fat percentage and all these different things. So I've actually measured it. And there, there is a difference with creatine. So that is definitely, I agree with that, a very good one for people who are working out and looking for kind of like a natural 
steroid, but like not hmm. not the <laughs> same thing, but like kind of the same hmm. thing. So one th- one thing can also be useful is actually carb cycling instead of like eating a consistently high carb diet because the, the the truth is that eating carbs can help to retain more glycogen and more uh, water in the muscles so you would look like larger if you ate a bunch of carbs at the same time those periods of low carb can actually make your body more sensitive to the anabolic effects of carbs you become like more insensitive and you essentially like if you train like in a low glycogen state and then you consume carbs afterwards, then it kind of causes this supercompensation effect. And uh, you would, in my own experience at least, like instead of eating carbs all the time, I see like a much kind of bigger or a much better improvement in body composition if I were to cycle it with keto and low carb. So do you cycle it every other day or during the day? Or what does like the cycling actually look like? I think it's, yeah, it's kind of depend on like what I'm doing I don't do it like every day, although it's possible to do it in a, like a daily eating window as well. I do it maybe like once a week or something. I'll just for one day of the week, instead of eating keto, I'll eat the carbs after the workout. Interesting, because I've kind of followed this rule for a while of like start with fat and with carb. So the first meal of the day is very fat and protein focused. Mm-hmm. And then the last meal of the day is carb focused, which I guess in a 24 hour window, that is kind of carb cycling. I've done keto before, but I didn't, I didn't love keto. It's, yeah. it's called a carb backloading, like where you eat, eat a low carb before uh, or the early parts of the day and you eat carbs after the workout later. Yeah. So is carb cycling the same thing as cyclical keto then technically? Basically, yeah. <laughs> like there are different ways of explaining it, but yeah, usually it's the same thing. Yeah, because I found keto was too restrictive for me, but cyclical keto of going in and out of ketosis throughout the week was more manageable and it sounds very similar to carb cycling, just having carbs come in and out throughout the week and not ever being high carb like full time. Right. Anyway, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I feel like I just learned so much about <laughs> strength training, working out and all the good stuff from you. So I hope you enjoyed that episode with Simland. He's always such a great guy to talk to. He is probably one of the best known biohackers out there on social media and just is, yeah, just knows so much. He does a lot of public speaking and educating around training and nutrition. So he's definitely a go-to guy. Check him out. Everything we talked about, of course, will be linked below. And I just wanted to say for... The way that you listen to this episode, I actually do upload everything to YouTube as well. All of the episodes are just put on there just as audios. It's just like a photo. There's no visuals, but just as another way for people to have access to it. And then it is also made onto my blog, biohackingbrittany.com. And then each episode has the web player or the YouTube link in the video right there. So you can just find it on my website if that's easier than iTunes or Spotify or like other places. I am on YouTube if you're interested. But I hope you enjoyed that episode. Next week, we actually have such a lovely person. Everybody's lovely, but she's extra lovely. She's a good friend of mine. Her name is Vanessa and she lives in Vancouver and is a entrepreneur and started her own company that is an app, which we'll dive into next week, that basically optimizes female health by correlating different 
health data points. For example, let's say you have headaches and you're tracking your headaches. And then you're also tracking your nutrient intake, like how much dairy you're having, for example. It'll show you if there's any correlation through this app. And it's amazing. And it's really, really cool. So I love it. And you can track anything and correlate anything. So it's very interesting. So she just started that and it's, it's doing very well and people love it. The app is called Flocka. I think I might be saying it wrong, but that's how I've always pronounced it. And it's spelled F-L-O-K-A and it's out now. It got released in January. So I'm very proud of her. But we dive into holistic female health next week, which is my favorite topic. That is what is coming up. I hope you enjoyed this episode and catch you next week. 